Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. I've got a couple of good friends. We're going to talk about, I hope, what's going to be a very challenging and interesting um, topic. So uh, Michael Fetchner, Ty Robinson, guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thank All you. All right. So this this is a thought that I had. Um, and the thought, I, I want to like lay it out, but uh, I put down in here um, in my notes, right? It says the castle doesn't make the king. Um, and this idea for me is kind of like um, – reference, right? When when a president gets on Air Force One, um, it's really not Air Force One until the president gets on, right? So there's, there's I can't remember what movie it was, you know, Air Force One goes down and the president gets on, you know, another plane or a helicopter and now that becomes Air Force One because the the thing that you're carrying, right, makes you Air Force One, not the plane itself. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. Okay. So in a, in a sense, one of the things that I've been watching is um, a lot of men pursue things of the world to make them significant, when I think that's backwards. I think significance um, is something that is more internal of who you are, what you're about, and then the things that you have sort of are a reflection of what you believe about your identity and the tools that you have. Does that make sense? Um, and so you see a person you know, in a big house and you think, oh, they're successful. And I'm like, I don't know if they're successful. I know they have a big house. I know they have a big car. I know they have a big salary. But success to me is a, is a whole different conversation. Um, and so um, I wanted to have that with you two guys because you're at that phase of life um, that you are making decisions about your career and what you're pursuing, uh, your family and the time that you're putting into it. And so you guys are right in the in the mix of this, right, where I'm a, I'm a little bit further on down the road. Um, and I, I want to take kind of our combined wisdom of the things that we're seeing and the decisions that we're making and pass it down to the 20-year-old guy who's not quite there yet. Right. And kind of help him before he dives into um, kind of, you know, a path that once you start swimming with it, I think it's really hard to get out of. Does that make sense? Totally. So so um, <clears throat> one of the books that um, I, I gave, did I give you the book, right, years I ago? I found it on eBay, you, actually. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I it's hard you, to find. I told you told me about, about it. it. You, re- you yeah. recommended it to yeah. me. Yeah. Larry sure. Taylor told me about it. It's called um, A Life uh, Well Spent. Um, by uh, Russ Crossan. And, and this is not going to be one of those book review things where we're walking through chapter by chapter. That's something totally different. That's good because um, I haven't read it. Yeah, but you've, you've read some others and you've got some some thoughts. And so um, that book um, really helped uh, in some ways kind of crystallize some thoughts in terms of um, money and family that I thought were really, really important. And one of the things that, he, that um, Crossan points out in the book is money should be used as a tool to spend more time and more valuable time with your family. And what I see happening is that people pursue money and they end up spending less time with their family. And it it ends up working kind of contrary to the things that are what they call are most important, right? And and most important for me would be time with my family, um, time with the family of God, right? And so if anything, if I do anything that's taking away from those things, that would, that would be a problem for me. Right. So um, you guys um, are kind of in that that boat where you're making decisions, right? Having young kids starting to kind of think about, hey, where do I want to put my time, energy to build my career and all those different things? Um, what do you guys see in, in terms of like what's happening with your life that kind of corresponds with what we're talking about? 
Well, for me, uh, this kind of came to a head a few years ago in my life after uh, my wife and I adopted our first son, Trey. <laughs> and I was working a job that uh, was in the legal world, a very prestigious job, a job that a lot of people sought. And the compensation was great, but the hours were uh, terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of job that bills by the hour. And so the way you make more money is you work more hours. And that's kind of your value to the firm and your value to the client is billing hours. And so for me, it got to a point where I had to make a decision uh, between, you know, is this really what I want to do? Or is there something else? Is there a better option? Is there another type of legal practice that would allow me to still be able to support my family and earn a living? and uh, have you know potential growth opportunities, but allow me more flexibility and time to spend at home and uh, a law practice that realized lawyers are people too, and they have families and they need to spend time with their families. And so, well, lawyers are people too. Should we, should we name the program <laughs> that? Like, I, lawyers are people too. I'm going to sell shirts, actually. Um, <laughs> but it, it led me on a journey to to find a new practice. And so, a couple years ago, I I switched firms and left. What most people would say is the more prestigious, right. uh, you know, highbrow job, uh, and now do personal injury law with a group of four other guys that uh, are incredibly hardworking and very talented, but all realize, you know, we're family people too, yeah. and that so that that would be seen in your profession as a step back, as a, as opposed to a step forward, as opposed to a progression. Most people would look at you and say, "Oh, you move backwards in your career." As opposed to saying, oh, you're spending more time with your family, that's the benefit. Yeah, I think most people that seek that you know, high prestige job would mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, Michael burned out or he couldn't cut it, and so he's going to do something that's less demanding. Yeah. And so I wouldn't I'm, say I'm it's sure, a move I'm sure back. That, I'm sure that felt well when you had right, those conversations with people that you can't cut it, you burnt out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's everybody wants to uh, pretend that we can just keep going and, and yeah. burning – uh, the candle at both ends, but the reality is you have to pick one or the other. Yeah. And I, I saw so, the writing something, on the wall. Right, something has to make a sacrifice. Right. And generally speaking, people will sacrifice time with their family and not worry about it. But you're saying, I sacrificed the prestige, the career, and different things like that. Not not that you don't have a great career, not that you don't right, aren't doing wonderful things, but right that attitude, you said, hey, I'm going to take a step back in this so I can spend more time with the family. And that's something that not a lot of people do. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and I, yeah, it, it was something that uh, it took. I took a pay cut initially, um, and I think the opportunities are there to make it back mm-hmm. uh, in spades. But it's something where you're leaving some some guaranteed money on the table, yeah. and so that was something that I had a conversation with my wife. And thankfully, obviously, that's an important part of it is having your wife on board. Uh, she supported it and said, I want you to be here too. And yeah. so whatever that takes, there, there's we'll a whole, work. there's a whole podcast right there, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> right? About, about right, marriage and the expectations, right? And when you, as a leader of your family say, Hey, we want to do this because it's what's best for the family, right? If your wife is not supportive of that, that's going to be a real conflict, mm-hmm. right? If she's like, Hey, listen, I married you for the money, for the job, for the prestige, <laughs> right. get back in there and work. That's And I've seen that. That's one benefit of getting married right out of college when you're broke. (laughs) She definitely did not marry you for the money. (laughs) Oh, Ty, what about you? So mine, um, I guess the journey to where I got to today, I, after graduating from college, started in ministry. 
and uh, through a number of opened and closed doors, saw God work. And uh, it was really interesting. I, I, as I reflect back, never thought that I'd look forward and see where I am today. Mm. And I'm grateful for that journey. But in that journey, I saw, you know, I grew up, from, grew up in a house that, you know, my dad was a pastor mm-hmm. and didn't really have things. Money was not really – it wasn't in the picture, so therefore it wasn't relevant. Um, but as I progressed in my career, I saw a slow trickle effect of how, you know, external pressures and, you know, the influence of the world can actually slowly impact your life and the way you perceive the world, uh, your value, what you're chasing. And it was about seven or eight years into my career that I realized how that trickle effect had really become a, a downpour yeah. of uh, you know the dam had broken. I had seen myself really just consumed in things that were not important. And you know, if you read in Ecclesiastes, it talks so much about death, and in that, it helps you understand how to live life. And what I what I started to realize was, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd be here. However, the world had slowly um, started to change my my perspective, mm-hmm. and that that led to a a hard look in the mirror and a deep dive into really understanding almost on an existential level the purpose of work. What is work, which then entails what is money and what role does it have in our life? And I'm grateful for that uh, because it really did change uh, my overall perspective and just um, preventing me from making some uh, decisions that would impact the things that I value most. For example, I you know, after graduate school, I came back to a bunch of job opportunities that um, it it impacted the decision process in that. And similar to Michael, I actually had made some decisions in staying at the firm that I'm at now because of the flexibility mm. that it provided. It uh, allows me to pay the bills, but it does allow flexibility. I get to coach all my kids' teams. Mm. I'm at all the school events. I come home and I'm I'm able to to turn it off. Um, and then come back to, to the office the next day and, and turn it back on. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the journey and, and some important questions that um, that I've had to ask myself. And But also the realization that, you know, it's something that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And I have to look in the mirror and, and, and check myself and, and, and find the blind spots because it can – it can impact you when you when you don't think it, it, it's you think you have a moat around you, but you're not invincible. That's right. Now, Michael, you talked about just um, <clears throat> some maturity between your first son and second son of how you kind of begin to see things a little bit differently, um, even in terms of like you know how much sleep you got and, and work and you know helping out at home. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I think at this time I was at my prior firm and I'd kind of bought into. Uh, the idea that this is the prestigious job, it's at the top firm, you know, globally, it's, uh, we bill thousands of dollars per hour for the work that we do. I mean, I've got to be sharp, I've got to be cutting edge. And so my job is to get all the sleep I need uh, so I can go to work and be totally refreshed. And my wife's job is to take care of our son. Yeah, Which most people, as I mean, so most guys who are young that don't have kids, you know, if we're talking to them, they're probably thinking to themselves, well, that makes total sense. Right. Right. Why, why would that be a, a big deal? Right. So right. What, what did you, what did you learn through that process? Totally. And, th- and that's, that's the way I thought growing up. Yeah. I mean, I was raised with uh, two brothers and a baby sister and we made all the jokes about that, you know, and that it's, you know, it's the wife's job to 
do the dishes, raise the kid. And uh, I, I didn't come on the podcast to call them out, but it was primarily them making those jokes. <laughs> um, but between, you know, so I had four years between my kids. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I realized, hey, what my wife does at home with our kids is just as important as what I do at work to provide for my kids. She's nurturing them. She's teaching them. She's pouring into them. And I'll be honest, it takes a lot more energy to keep up with my four-year-old than to sit at my desk and uh, read documents all day. And so with our second, uh, I really took on a mindset of it's as much my job as it is hers when I'm at home to help out with the kids. And so certainly I've got to go to work. She has the opportunity to take maternity leave uh, and stay home right now. And so during the day, she's doing 100% of it. But when I'm home, it's a 50-50 partnership. And so I think it's just changing our perspective on what's most important and realizing that this is my family. I'm, I'm the leader of this family. And so it's neglectful of me to just say, well, what happens with the kids is not really my responsibility. I just have to go to work and pay the bills. Yeah. That's kind of absentee, neglectful leadership in my eyes now. Now, I wouldn't have said that five years ago maybe or ten years ago, yeah. but as I've grown and just kind of seen the value of my family, that's how I view it now. Yeah. So in, in the book, Crossing in Chapter 1, he says this. In the next few chapters, we're going to look at the difference between prosperity, um, the uh, accumula- accumulation of goods on this earth, and pros- t- uh, post <laughs> Posterity. Posterity. Thank you. Prosperity. Um, posterity. Right. So the difference between money and right. He calls the heritage we leave in the generations to come after us. And so this idea that I want to wrestle with is um, if if you're going to bring kids into the world, right? If you're going to raise kids and you're going to be um, a family. Um, I've known people. Um, I had some neighbors that I grew up with. It was a husband and a wife. Um, both of them worked um, extremely right um, prestigious jobs. Right, traveled all over the world. Uh, they didn't have any kids. And you know, when we'd get together at different parties or different things like that, you know, people would ask them about that, and they're like, "Well, uh, both of our, our jobs really kind of prohibit us from having kids and being at home." And I was just like, "Okay." You know, I don't necessarily like the idea that you don't want to bring kids into the world because I think that's really a responsibility that we have. But I do appreciate the the just the brutal reality of if you're not going to be there, right? You know, you don't really need to have kids. And I, and I mean, just that was that concept of, yeah, that you know, you need you need to be there as as parents. And so um, I think that's one of the things um, you know that you wrestle with. You know, not that our wives would not do a great job. Um, with us giving very little, but I think the concept that the world has kind of allowed men to buy into is that raising kids is primarily a woman's job. A man's job is primarily outside of the house, right? And we as men need to understand it's like those are our kids as well, and we need to be an influence in in their lives, you know, and and doing the things that that you know. And you're, you're talking about doing some things that the kids aren't even old enough yet to even recognize but you're helping out in doing it because that's just part of the responsibility of doing them. Right. And I think there's times where, you know, our, our wives can buy into that idea too, Mm -hmm. where they may take on an attitude and I'm not saying this is my wife, but they may take on an attitude where they say, Hey, you're messing up my flow here. You're messing up the system I have. And that can cause guys to just say, okay, fine. I'm going to be hands off. I'm not going to get involved then, but that's part of being a leader is you have to say, well, hold on, this is my family. I'm going to be active. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to figure out how to make this work. Yep. 
So, and th- there's an analogy that kind of goes with that is, you know, in, tor- in, in order to build a foundation, the builder has to be present. They can't be absentee. Yeah. And I think that role falls falls on a man. So not only being physically present, but even uh, mentally and spiritually present. So one of the challenges is <clears throat> that we have to ha- that face. You know, all workers is when you, you come home, whether you're man or woman, you come home from work, long day, stressful day, you're beat down, but you you really have to rally. And, it, and there's take some inner strength and kind of a personal audit to make sure that you're coming home ready to parent and be present and aware and emotionally and physically available to them. Because it's very easy to come home, check out, have your mind be elsewhere. Yeah. And like for us, our kids are six and eight right now. And uh, my, my wife stays home, but our, our family time is really, you know, five to about seven is, it is a precious time yeah. and it's a short time though. It yeah. really is. Cause yeah. you know, weekends are occupied and busy. And um, if you're not optimizing that time and, and being present, you're not building the foundation. Yeah. So one of the things it mentions in chapter two of this book, or chapter four of this book, sorry, he goes, the most strategic time in the lives of our children is the first 10 years. And I don't know how many people grasp that concept. We're we're not talking about, um, hey, I want to build a career, and then when my kids get in their 20s and 30s, I want to spend time with them, because your kids won't know you. Um, And so, you know, we we talk about, um, and I've mentioned this often, is, you know, I I chose not to run for office when um, we found out my wife was pregnant, I was going to run for office. And, you know, there's there's been friends who have and have done both. Um, We really felt like the Lord was telling us, um, don't run until your kids are grown and gone. Um, we didn't know we were going to have four kids. Um, you know, one of them's still here at home, right? It's just kind of like, he's, he's a sophomore in high school and I'm 53 years old and I still haven't run for office yet. <laughs> and Ty's like, are you going to run? Right? Because <laughs> Campbell's going to graduate soon. And, and the answer to that is, I don't know, right? Um, God's God's done some crazy, weird things, right? I never thought I would be working where I am. Um, and so God's, you know, kind of navigated some things and always been able to uh, provide for our family. But it's just kind of a, an amazing thing. But that was the decision I made when I was younger as I was starting off on, um, you know, kind of the career path. And it's like, hey, you know, as I laid out my career path for God to bless, um, he said, hey, um, here's what I'm thinking <laughs> that you need to do as opposed to what you're thinking you need to do. And I think that's a really important thing for, for young guys to, to ask that question is, okay, God, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Um, because the the world's path is right. Go get a good education. Get the, you know the best education you can get. Get the best job you can get, which means in most you know terms, the highest paying job. But you don't ever ask the question as well. If that's what I'm getting, what am I giving? Right. What at what cost does that come? Mm-hmm. Um, and time and freedom is what we're saying. Right. Those are sometimes the cost that people are willing to give up for more money. Um, and in this book, Crossing basically says, um, don't change jobs in, to get more money. Change jobs to get more freedom and more time. And you guys basically are, are living, right, examples of, right? I mean, Michael, you made a change, right? Ty, you're staying in that to keep those things, right? And that's been always something, right, that my kids have learned to appreciate is, um, you know, when we talk about um, treasure or time, right, we always had more time. Yeah. Um, but it's like, what, what would treasure get me, right, except for, you know, bigger things, if it ever took more time away, I didn't think it was a good trade-off for our family. Yeah, and I, I think I've got a unique perspective on that, because I lost my dad whenever I was uh, 25, and so you don't know how much time you do have, 
and that's a great um, point. It's, <laughs> that's a sober. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You mentioned you mentioned Ecclesiastes and, mm-hmm. and death. Right? Yeah, you you live through it, mm-hmm. right? Because right. you don't know how much time you have, right? And we would have thought with your dad, right? It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, he's healthy. He's, I mean, you know, just one of the most you know, wonderful people to be around, right? Discipled me for a number of years. And all of a sudden you get, you know, lung cancer and you're like, what in the world? Right. And a couple months later, right, right, he's gone. It, it's really something where it, whenever we adopted Trey, that was the question mm-hmm. is, I want to make sure that whatever time I do have, and I intend to be here for a long time, yeah. but... But you don't know. Uh, I don't know. And so whatever time I do have, I want to make sure that I'm intentional yeah. about raising him and investing in him because... Even as intentional as my dad was, which he was, I mean, mm-hmm. he left uh, a very lucrative career to go into ministry and kind of took us with him in that. Even as intentional as he was, I still have questions where today I'm like, man, I wish I would have yeah. had time to ask my dad that or, or talk to my dad about that. And so uh, with the perspective I have, it's like, look, I don't want to waste any time that I do have to raise my kids. It's a great good. reminder. I, I love what you said, Dan, just the importance between, I guess, the discrepancy between time and treasure. Mm. Um, and I think one of the most important things in terms of the way we approach it is redefining what success is. And the world defines or measures success by monetary gain, financial capital, mm-hmm. and it's literally tied to that. Self worth can be tied to what your career is, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how much you're making. But as believers, and this is something, again, like I have to remind myself daily, it's my identity is not found in that. Right. The biblical definition of success is found in Christ and how, how Christ views us and how we are obedient to him. And when you're able to think under that, uh, that umbrella and under that de- definition, those difficult decisions can be easy. Otherwise, you know, you're living for other people, acceptance for other people. Um, but really, it's it's just reorienting your your understanding of success. Yeah, yeah. I think relatedly to to change how we look at success, we have to change what we measure and what we measure. Ooh. And <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I think it's so easy. We can open up you know our financial accounts and see what our net worth is and all that kind of stuff. But it we don't ever track, you know, how much time am I spending with my kids? How many uh, things did I show up uh, for my kids on? Or how many dates did I go on with my wife this year? And so measuring those things. So I'm glad you brought that up because, um, Ty, you had earlier said about, you know, going home and spending time with the kids. Um, Crossan also brings out this. He says the greatest financial investment is your marriage, right? And and the the concept we've been talking about is, um, you know, as dads, but we're also husbands, uh, and the greatest gift that we can give our kids is a great marriage and mm-hmm. treating their mother, right, as the woman that God has given us as a gift, right, to be able to be their mom and our wife. And so that's a great reminder, too, is um, the time that you have uh, isn't just coaching baseball games, um, but it's spending time with your whole family, mm-hmm. right? So making sure that your marriage, because I'm going to tell you that the number one financial um, detriment for most people is actually divorce, mm-hmm. right? C- cut your income mm-hmm. you know, in half, right? There, there it is right there. And so even even tremendously wealthy people, 
right? The whole idea of, you know, how do we want to take your net worth and cut it in half? We just get divorced. That's, that's an immediate thing. Um, and so just working on your marriage and making sure that you're, and, and Michael, you were just talking about, you know, going home, um, you know, helping out your wife with some of the little things. Um, those are things that, you know, she looks at and appreciates. You're not just doing them for your boys, yep. but you're working on your marriage and saying, hey, I value you and your time and your energy as well. And I think that's an important reminder to us Right? That as men, we need to be looking for those opportunities to let our wives know, hey, listen, I know what you're doing is valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's tiring. Yep. I mean, and you, you said it. I mean, you know, I used to laugh at this. Going to work and getting away from the kids <laughs> where, where you can focus on something else. Right. Um, you, know, you know, Ty, you're, you're kind of there with yours, right? Michael, you're not there yet. But when we uh, went through kind of this discipline phase with my boys when they were – um, kind of, you know, first, second, third grade, um, Trisha just got tired of just being the, you know, primary disciplinarian because she was in the home with them. Um, and so she used to call me whenever she needed discipline and I'd drive home and spank my kids. That's good. And, yeah. That. Oh, it was, it was tons of fun. Trust me. <laughs> we, we have those, those great memories, um, you know, where, you know, she was just, she was just tired and she was just worn out and she's like, you can't see straight. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, you know, I listen, I need, you know, I need to tap out here. I need somebody, I need a little bit of help. And so, you know, the phone would ring and I'm like, which one is it? Yeah. And she's like, it's both. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I tell Fraley all the time, like what, what she's doing at the home, she's working yeah. harder than I am. That's right. And she doesn't have the benefit of having regular conversation with adults. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she came in my office this morning. It's <laughs> like, pin just keeps lassoing me. Like he, we went to the stockyards this week and grabbed this lasso. There you go. It's like, he won't stop lassoing me. I yeah. just need some space. You go get lasso. So, for yeah. a while. <laughs> All right. Tag me in. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I love that. So just working on your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But back to what you guys were talking about before um, in the book, he, he quotes Albert Einstein. He said this, Albert Einstein once commented, try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. And I love that concept because it's like, what are we adding to the world? And I'll tell you this, I'm adding to the world for people who are carrying my name. Mm-hmm. That, that literally is the most value that I can bring, right? I mean, you know, if I found a cure to cancer, I think a lot of people would argue and say, hey, wait a second, <laughs> that was pretty valuable. You saved a lot of lives. Um, but the value that I'm really responsible is to make sure that those four individuals who carry my name add value as well. Right. And so just from a man's perspective, and I, I know we, you know, we like to kind of do the, you know, what's the return on my investment? I, I think the return on your investment for the time that you spend with your family um, is a legacy that's going to outlive you into the third and fourth generation. Right. And so, you know, we, we don't know the names of our great, great, great grandparents. Um, but the idea that, you know, somebody planted a seed and invested into right that next generation which got transferred down um, and I can see that legacy you know in my family getting put you know pushed down and and for me to be able to pass that down for my kids as well and I think that's that's what I want to buy into right it's not just hey I can have a bigger car or I can have a bigger house or I can have a you know job that maybe has a better title and people that I don't even know respect me more Uh, (laughs) right but my kids value Right. My wife values me. And those are the people. Right. My, I always tell this. I made two commitments in life. One is to Jesus Christ. Right. The other is to my wife. I, I remind my kids, I did not make a commitment to you. <laughs> so if you, you know, if, if you guys don't, you know, mind, mind me. Right. Oh, yeah, I used to say this, but it was like, you know, we can we can take you out and make another one. That looks just like you. Um, <laughs> but the idea is right. Those are the those are the two individuals. Jesus Christ. Right. Made a commitment to, to follow him. Right. My wife, I stood in front of a bunch of people. Right. And made a commitment to love her. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the two commitments I want to honor with my life. 
Totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it. And part of following Christ is stewarding what He's given us. Yep. And yes, part of that's a job and our intellect and and our skills. But uh, most importantly, it's our family and uh, the home that He's given us. And so. You know, we talk a lot about stewarding our finances. Well, you have to steward your family as well, and that's going to make the greatest impact long term. Yep. And how you steward your finances affects your family. Totally. Right, because where where you where you place your resources, right, affects the family and and what they see as important and what they understand their place and their position and their identity. Right, those are all part of that same question. Hundred percent. I love the way that Cross and kind of. Uh, unpacked it was he talked about financial capital, spiritual capital, mm-hmm. and social capital. And it's not that money is bad or jobs are not bad, right. but it's when things are out, out of balanced. So when, let's say, the pendulum's heavily swayed towards financial capital and you're making that sacrifice at the expense of your spiritual capital, your social capital, um, then that's when things are out of whack. So yeah. it's it's striving for balance in between those. So it is going to work and hustling and getting after it. Yeah. But it is finding balance so that you create time, that you are intentional with your family. Yeah. And you can't do that without balance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Scripture tells you, right, I, I work hard, right, for the Lord, not for man. So I, I don't work hard for a paycheck. And, and, I, and this is the weird thing, right? I wouldn't work harder if you paid me more. Does that make sense? I, sure, I, I, see some, I see some people who write, like, you know, if I paid me more, I'd work harder. And I'm just like, well, then you're not working for the right reason. Because if you're working to get paid, um, you've missed it. Yeah. Right? So I, I work hard because the Lord's given me talent, skills, and an opportunity to do something. And so I come every day and it's like, hey, you know, I, I got to be on my A game. I got to give my best here. But that same reality is that, that I think what we're trying to get guys to understand is you got to do that same thing with your home. 100%. Right, you you got to go into the home and say, "Hey, I got to give my A game. I got to give my best here. I work hard because these are the people that I've made a commitment to. My job is my job, right? And 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 I love it, and I love what God has, has given me an opportunity to do for you know the last thirty years, which is fantastic. Um, but my family, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do my job so that my family suffered. Mm-hmm. I did my job so that my family would benefit. Yeah. And, you know, when, when Trisha made a commitment to me, she didn't say, okay, that's great. You know, that's wonderful and everything. I'm going to, you know, stay home, raise the kids and invest in them. And you go do something else. Like she made a commitment to, to do life together. Right. I mean, that, and so we're doing this together. And so I can't make a sacrifice for me to, to, you know, raise off somewhere while she, right, has to stay, take a step back. And yeah. so that, that I think is just kind of the, if you're in your twenties and you're wrestling with this, right, you really need to think about the long-term implications of the decisions that you're making now and what they're going to look like when you're 30, 40, and 50. hundred percent. And I think it's, uh, it's hard once you're in it yep. to think about it. And so it's good to do it beforehand, uh, before you get married or before you have kids and talk through, well, what is this going to look like? And, uh, how are we going to share responsibilities? How am I going to make sure that I uh, am home to see the kids every night before they go to bed and yep. have that family time? Yep. Um, and I think that if you don't, if you're not intentional about it, like with most things, it becomes an afterthought and it won't happen. And so you have to be intentional. You have to take that leadership position and say, "I'm going to make this happen," and work with your wife to figure out how you get it done. Yeah. Yeah, we always used to laugh about, you know, a lot of our friends uh, made enough money so they could hire other people to do their yard. Right. Right. And I was just like, God gave us three boys. 
So I so so I can spend my money on something else, mm-hmm. right? Because I've got three boys. But that training of the boys to spend time in the yard is just it's just time with them, right? And it's time in the training. And so it's you know it's like yeah, I could pay somebody else to do this. But if I did, am I using that same time then to spend time with my kids? Right. So I don't, I don't mind. You don't have to do your yard if you don't want. Pay somebody else to do your yard. Use that same time to do something else with your kids. Yeah. That's I, fine. I, I, use, I use that time to spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, lo- they love doing the yard with me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't love doing the yard, <laughs> yeah. so I don't do the yard. Yeah. But Trey, my oldest and I, we do wash the cars. Yeah. And, I mean, especially on a hot day, it's fun getting out there and yep. getting wet with the hose and – uh, he has a great time. He's not going to break anything, and we can get out there and just have fun together. Yeah. But we're also accomplishing a task that saves us, you know, thirty bucks a, a week, which isn't much, but it's something. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, um, I appreciate the conversation. I'm very proud of you, young men, um, who are leading your families um, and making these. Um, difficult decisions right prayerfully because i think that's the other thing is um this isn't to you know to try to impress somebody else this is try to follow what god's best is for you and if his best is for you x y and z then do that Mm. Uh, whatever that looks like now when i go to the word of god he tells me what it is (laughs) and so i think what we're talking about lines up with what he says his best is um but i think ultimately that's the that's the one you have to please right live before the audience of one don't worry about whatever, whatever whatever those people that don't know you, that don't care about you, whatever they think about you, don't worry about it. So anyway, but uh, uh, Ty and Michael, thank you for your time and, and for the conversation. Thanks, Dan. Great being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.